Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Number 39 of the 50 most relevant. Yes, the 40s are done. Just like the Adelaide Crows. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding around. Uh, number 39 of the 50 most relevant. Hawthorne defender James Sicily. Uh, to talk the Sicily. Oh, he was a frustrating player to own last year. I got Ben Gogos. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, man. Good start. You've already given the Crows a whack in the first 10 seconds there. So. Well, that's how you know yes, it's a good was. podcast. That's it. That's it. It was a very frustrating season owing James Sicily. Um, but, you know, 2020 might be a, a new time for our CIS owners. He was obviously great in 2018. So yeah. can he re-emerge? That's the big question. Is it still only 25 years old? This defender, even last year with some disappointing scores, has shown that great ceiling and that great scoring potential. His best game uh, across the formats last year came against that game against Collingwood where he's marked up against Mason Cox and just intercepted absolutely everything. It was a 121 versus the Pies in Fantasy and Dream Team and a 141 in Supercoach. She's averaged the lowest for the last couple of years. It was just 83.6 in Fantasy and Dream Team, 93.8 in Supercoach, so still relatively healthy. In that format, he is going to set you back just over $500,000, 620K in AFL Fantasy um, as well. So, look, he's he's not the cheapest option rolling around, Ben, but, again, you contrast it to probably what we were paying for him last year. Well, it's a significant, significant discount then. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he was he was very consistent pretty well up until the halfway point of the season as well. So that's something we'll touch on in a, a little while. But he really produced um, for a large part of the season. He's now demonstrated elite uh, dream team and super coach scoring form for the best part of 18 18 months, a year and a half, a season, so mm. a season and a half. Um, that's something that, you know, we've got to be taking note of. Uh, he's got a huge ceiling. Probably wasn't as obvious in 2019, but he has had very large scores in the past. He's capable of taking truckloads of marks, as you alluded to, with that Collingwood game, took 14 marks. He had 10 marks or more on four different occasions in 2019. Um, yeah, he's obviously well well regarded as being an elite intercept mark. Got an astounding kick on him, and Hawthorne desperately need his ball use in the back half, especially with uh, Grant Birchall obviously hasn't played mm. too, too recently, but he has left the club. Hawthorne is super aligned on Sicily having the having the ball 24-7, so that's really, really positive come um, 2020. Yeah, you're right. He he sets up the game for Hawthorne so brilliantly behind the ball. That elite marking, his decision-making, it's rare in the AFL to have the skill set that he does. It's what makes him so damaging. It's why even last year, in from a fantasy perspective, we feel it was a poor year, he still finished fourth in the Hawks' best and fairest. Clearly was doing the key things that the club wanted him and was rewarded with initial selection in the squad of 40 for the All-Australian team. So uh, even though, yes, he got frustrating to own to the back half, for the year, I mean, he still had a very strong year because, as you touched on, 
pre-buy, um, in those first 11 games in Dream Team and Fantasy, he had five scores of 100 or more. Three of them were over 110. And he was averaging 94.2. For Supercoach, he was averaging 99.8. And had scored six times in triple figures. Half of those were 117 or higher. Um, and we aren't talking just about a guy that's had... 12 games of fantasy relevance across his career. You mentioned right at the top there, Ben, he's done it for a good chunk of 18 months. In 2018, from a super coach perspective, eight tons, half of those were over 120. Um, and during the year, he had three scores that dipped below 90. For AFL Fantasy, five tons, including a 125, and had a five of um, you know, for the 90-plus games that were about five occasions as well. 2017, that back half of the year too, he pretty much averaged 90 across all of the formats. So I think the positive for us is that if you were pretty keen on Sicily 12 months ago at that price that he was starting at 95 in Fantasy, 105 in Supercoach, you could build a, a compelling case that if you're keen on him 12 months ago, well, you certainly should be even maybe more so 12 months on. Yeah, well, that that is right to a degree. The, the discourse has changed a little bit around him. So 12 months ago, we actually didn't see him playing a really negative key defensive role, which is what he did play over the back half of the 2019 season. Um, the reason that that has now changed is because Hawthorne's brought in Sam Frost as a key defender and yeah. they brought in Jonathan Patton as well as a key position forward. So there's... There's two elements. Initially, he was forced to play a lot of key defense um, mm. and really man up on players. That led to a, a large number of poor scores. He even spent a, an extended period of time on Tom Hawkins um, in round 18. That goes to show just how many injuries Hawthorne had back there. And really, that's, that's not the way Clarks and all the footy club in general want to use him. Um, he also played a game against the Sydney Swans in round 14, where he was primarily... Uh, forward until last, uh, until like the last quarter. He did that as well against Essendon round 13. Both of those were lower scores mm. than his average. Um, so you would think that that isn't a role that he really want that the Hawks really want him playing in. He only kicked three goals for the season. Uh, so those two reasons, the the trade acquisitions, make me think that. Although I think the discourse has changed a little bit around him from this time 12 months ago, I think that there, there's a lot of reasons to think that he will play that role, that intercept role that we know he can score well in. Yeah, look, you touched on that back half of the year with both the moving into the... Really, it wasn't as many games as we kind of thought. Again, sometimes you can have this perspective uh, in hindsight going, oh, well, he played so much forward last year. Well, really? Maybe seven to nine quarters of football across the season. So it really wasn't that much, but it was that key defensive role due to injuries. And that back half of the year, well, we saw his averages really dip and it was quite significant in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team scoring as opposed to Supercoach. It was still there, but much more. Uh, Pre-buy in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, Sicily was averaging 94, whereas post-buy... He averaged 73. So, yeah, it's a split of 21 points is the difference. That's massive. While in Supercoach, 99 before the buy, 87 after. So a drop of 12 points. So it's still there. So I suppose the big question mark is, does he move back into that the role that Clarko has said countless times he loves him playing in, which is 
the ability to set up the play, the ability to get third man up, the ability to set up um, all of the forward um, movements of the club. Does he go back there? Because we've seen guys like Frost and Haitley get drafted in that have just beef up those defensive stocks. Or did Ben, you have some concerns that he still might get moved at various points in the season? Look, honestly, 12 months ago, I still had concerns that he would get moved at various points in the season. Right. Um, but I don't think that he's going to be playing the key position defensive role. Uh, that's that's a role that I really don't think Clarkson or anyone at the footy club wants him to be playing. Obviously, as we've alluded to, Sam Frost coming in changes that. Hopefully, there's a few less injuries at Hawthorne this time around. Um, he should avoid that, um, I imagine. The forward line has always been a position that he's excelled at. He played a majority of his sort of first couple of seasons as a as a key position forward for the Hawks. He kicked a, a well a well known goal against the Bulldogs in 2017 that won won us a one kick game. So he's been a a fairly elite producer down there, uh, up there. But, I mean, you've got to look at him and you've got to say, where has his best football come over the previous five seasons? And it's certainly come as a as an intercept defender. So looking at him right now with the information that we have at our disposal, you've got to expect him playing the, the role that we want him to play. But then again, I, I've got to be honest with you, I don't think that we can absolutely predict Clarkson's movements. I doubt that Clarkson can predict what he's going to do <laughs> come round 15 at this point in the season. Yeah. Um, so, and, that, and the painful thing, one of the reasons why we, we really did remember him playing forward was that round, th- round 14 game against the Swans because he only had eight touches in that game. Yeah. He scored 44 in Dream Team and 40 in Supercoach. And that's sort of indicative of the fact that when when he does play that key position forward role, especially in this Hawthorne team, which hasn't been as as great as previous generations, um, they might struggle to give him opportunity. He obviously is a bit hot-headed. He's known to strike out um, from time to time, and that can often lead to a game where he just appears to not either lack work rate or he just doesn't seem to have his head in the game, and that can lead to astonishingly poor scores. It certainly can do that. I think the other factor that people are throwing up around him is he does have that round 14 buy, which is fantastic in one regards, knowing you're going to get the first 13 games out of him should suspensions or injuries not come in. And he's been... Proneness might not be the right word, but both of those things have certainly been a part of his history up until this point. But there are some pretty good defensive premiums we've got coming out of round 14 that he's kind of battling in for spots. Rory Laird from the Adelaide Crows, Caleb Daniel from the Western Bulldogs, and a player we talked about just a few days ago on the 50 Most Relevant, Zach Williams. So part of the decision that people have to factor in, while he's certainly at a different price point and different formats, favours his game more than others, is you do have to kind of, in one regard, go, okay, where do I rank him next to these guys? Because you can't have all four of them in your side pre-round 14. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, it's, it's just another conundrum we've all got to be thinking through. And He's someone that has really, really delivered in the Supercoach scoring format. Yeah. Um, so that that immediately takes my eye. You know, he 
just 105 average. Uh, he's had games where he's scored in the 140s on a fairly consistent basis. He even did that in, in 2019 from time to time. Yeah. So he really, really takes my eye in that format. Um, Dream Team, again, you kind of know what you're getting to a degree. Mm. Uh, and it's just how you're going to weigh him up against those names as, you, as you've alluded to. But look, the the other interesting thing with Sicily is that, hey, he might play a key forward game from time to time and he might not perform very well in it. Um, yeah. And that might lead to a cut price evaluation. Um, so you might have the, the opportunity, say, around a, around maybe round eight, round 10, he's played one, one or two games as a key forward because Hawthorne's got a few injuries on that line. And you think, okay, the key forwards have come back and he's had you know, a 40 and a 60 and suddenly his price has dropped by 30, 40, 50K. That might be the time to pounce. Mm. Um, I think out of, the, out of the names you've just highlighted there, he's the one that to me might have more downside. He might yeah. have a, a bigger chasm between his best and worst. So we might be able to pick him up during the season at a cut price. Having said that, um, super coach, it, it might be a different tale because, look, you know, he plays key forward. He can also dominate there. So yeah. it's one you've got to you've got to weigh up. But uh, I really like him for super coach. Uh, lesser so in dream team, but he could certainly become a a great candidate in both competitions. Yeah, I think so. Look, for me, he's got to be in that mix for super coach. We talked about even that poor back half of the year um, in, in super coach. His split still was relatively favourable given that it was an 87. So, you know, he's priced a little bit higher than that in Supercoach for us. It's off the average of 93. But so worst case scenario, you're getting a guy playing a, a lockdown key defensive role, getting you an 87 with the potential of returning back to that 105 from 12 months ago. So I, I do quite like him as a Supercoach super option. AFL Fantasy, I think there's some value for you there too. And, and given the two trades a week, he's priced at 83. Um, I, I don't mind him as a starting squad option where most of your premiums, not all of them, but one of the ways you can choose to play that format is I'm going to pick guys that I think have a little bit of value that could be premiums. And if he doesn't deliver what you want, well, you know, give him the favola at the end of round 13 and transition him into one of the potential new DPPs that have rolled through in that period of time. Um, maybe, you know, it's the time you go and get a Jack Crisp, maybe Connor Blakely, um, who we talked about a couple of days ago in the 50 most relevant. Maybe he's got the midfield role so you can flip him over to there or Lloyd or Hooley or, or any other bunch of other names, you know, you want to do. So there's multiple strategies you can play with Sicily. Absolutely. I'm interested to hear where you think he'll he'll land in a draft, though. Well, again, every format requires a different strategy. And 12 months ago, if you'd been wanting to get Sicily, you were probably forking out, look, in Supercoach, probably a top three round selection, um, maybe a little bit later in, in AFL Fantasy, but you were, were certainly forking out a D1 selection to be able to go and get Sicily. I don't think you'll have to do that in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team formats this year. Potentially in Supercoach, and I actually don't mind him as a D1 in Supercoach. Again, depending on what you've done with your two or three other picks ahead of going to get him, I actually don't mind that. But look, across the board, I think you could get him as a pretty solid D2 in Dream Team and Fantasy and get potential D1 returns. The worst case scenario, you know, is he absolutely stinks for you, but... 
at this, you know, right now, that's banking on injuries impacting that. So factor it in. But for me, I'm happy to pick him up as a D2 in fantasy and dream team and and a D1 in in Supercoach. Granted that I've locked away some, you know, another one or two big line um, midfielders or in another line as well. What are you thinking, man? Yeah, I think think that's um, roughly where my headspace is at. I'm, I'm wondering, would you be comfortable with taking a D1 in a dream team scoring format? Yeah, I would, but it would depend on what I've done in the other formats before that because he is ranked quite significantly below the, the top 10. He has the potential to be a top 10 defender for us, so I would really have wanted to lock in one of the big forwards if I was doing that strategy of, you know, at this stage, Dusty and Whitfield are the clear ones or a Grundy Gorn in the rucks and then really got two premium midfielders that I'm significantly happy that they're 105-plus kind of guys, and then I wouldn't mind rolling him as a D1 should I have banked out, you know, some of the really big line options in the other areas. What Are you thinking that might be a bit too thin in your back line or are you okay with doing something like that? No, actually, that's that's kind of the way I was thinking about it as well. Like, I I generally have a preference to load up in the midfield mm. early on. Um, the rucks are a, another point of emphasis. If you can get a Grundy or a Gorn, you are laughing. Uh so loading up on that line, obviously, we've got Whitfield now in the forward line. We've got a couple of options there. I would be relatively comfortable with Sicily as a as a D1, given the fact that he's just come off his first 22-game season. Uh, and he's he's been relatively durable mm. um, bar that 2018 season, which might have had a suspension or two in it, if I remember correctly. Mm. So... Um, yeah, I'd have a degree of confidence taking him at day one. Uh, having said that, you know, you have to have to weigh it up uh, with what you're getting elsewhere, don't you? But he's probably one of the few that in that 80s bracket, I would feel relatively comfortable if I took him in that first slot. Yeah, no, I, I think he's going to be a pretty good option for us this year. Some are going to be, have a little bit of hesitancy around that, and, and I can see that. Some are going to see the significant value that could be available, and I can see that. So it's going to be fascinating to see what his preseason looks like, what those scores are, because people, unfortunately, don't look at role in the preseason. They just look at fantasy scoring points. Look at role, my friend. Um, and it's going to be even more fascinating on those variables what his ownership percentage is as we get really close to the start of the year. Because for me, that might just tip a few things in the favour to going and picking him up. Yeah, that would be an interesting one, hey. Uh, I wonder how many people are going to be thinking, hey, he's, he's dropped his average. Um, he's only produced really one super elite average season, especially in Dream Team. How many are going to look the other way? If he is... Uh, say owned by maybe less than ten percent of the competition, he's going to be very hard to to look past, especially mm. with his ceiling. Yeah, his no. ceiling is is absolutely uh, superb. So you can't go too far wrong with him. Yeah, look, I, I like him. I've got a very keen eye on him this preseason. It sounds like you might too. Hey Ben, appreciate your thoughts as we talked about James Sicily. No worries, mate. Enjoyed it. Always love talking about a hawker. Yeah, I thought you might, mate. That's why we got you on for this one. If you've got to check out the article on James Sicily or any of the other players revealed so far in the 50 Most Relevant, you can go and do that at coachespanel.tv. The links to join our Patreon army and help support the Coaches Panel, you can find that there. And that is where you can get exclusive and also early access content to a whole heap of stuff, including 
they already know who number 38 is. Yep, they are ahead of you, my friend, right now. So jump on board the Patreon army. We're back tomorrow on the 50 Most Relevant, and I can't wait to spend some time talking with you about that player. <laughs>